Witness Docs from Stitcher. Previously on All American. I won every single one of them. And it was from this experience that I believe that my tennis rise had begun. It's a ticker tape parade for Althea Gibson, America's new world tennis queen, and the first of her race ever to win the coveted crown at Wimbledon. She said, well, I've run out of money, and I can't stand any longer, so I decided to kill myself. She said those words? Yes, uh, I'm phoning to say goodbye. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Well, it's almost 5,000 miles from California to the green grass at Wimbledon. Venus Williams made this video in 2019 to document her journey as she returned to Wimbledon for the 22nd time in her career. Wimbledon, of course, is the birthplace of tennis. It's the most prestigious Grand Slam that you can win or dream of winning. So, of course, that's the pinnacle of tennis. Wimbledon is Venus's favorite tournament. I've been to Wimbledon and seen its traditions firsthand. It's held every summer in London at the All England Lawn Tennis Club. It's the only major tournament that is still played on grass. Players are required to wear white. The biggest matches are played on center court, affectionately known as the Cathedral of Tennis. And it's hard to miss the influence of the British royal family on the place. The president of the club is the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton. Seating is limited, and the most exclusive seating is reserved for the royal family, diplomats, and other special guests in the royal box. And until 2003, tennis players were required to curtsy or bow in front of it. When you walk out on center court, you'll turn, you'll do a curtsy at the royal box. What's going to be going through your mind at that stage? I don't know. I'd like to think I'd be pretty relaxed and just ready to fire. Yeah, it's always fun curtsying anyway. (laughs) Venus has wanted to win Wimbledon since she was a little girl. Her first time there, at 17, she lost in the first round. But each year, she kept trying. By 2000, when Venus was 20, she made it to the final. But but even though you've made it, you think it's a dream, don't you? Somebody's going to pinch you in a minute and you're going to wake up. No, I don't think it's a dream. No. I've really been working hard. I've had a lot of tough losses in Grand Slams, and I deserve to be here. It's, it's no dream. Venus won that final match and became the 2000 Wimbledon champion. 
Venus Ebony Star Williams, congratulations, champion. Yeah, thank you, thank you. 42 years ago, Althea Gibson yeah. stood on this spot. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? It means a lot, and uh, I know she's somewhere watching this. This was Venus's first major tournament win. And as NBC's Bud Collins mentioned, Venus was the first black woman to win this tournament since Althea Gibson in 1958. A lot had changed in the sport since Althea had last played Wimbledon, especially when it came to money. When Althea won more than four decades earlier, players did not receive prize money. And when Venus won in 2000, she was paid 430,000 English pounds. That was about 559,000 US dollars at the time. But she was paid less than her male counterpart. Today, we dig into the long fight against the pay gap in professional tennis and how Venus Williams finally closed it. I'm Cecil Harris, and this is All American, Venus and Serena. Episode six, you've come a long way, baby. You can't tell the story of fighting for pay equity in tennis without hearing from tennis great Billie Jean King. I was very sad in those days because we didn't make any money. We reached out to Billie Jean for her thoughts because she is essential to this story. She told us about the lack of prize money for women players early in her career and that in a lot of ways, the fight for equal pay in tennis all started with Althea Gibson. Just think what she did for the future generations because... Now we have women and women of color making a lot of money. Uh, the, the tennis players make the most money off the court as well. But Althea was a big part of uh, starting all this. Remember, in our last episode, we talked about how Althea Gibson retired from tennis in 1958 because she couldn't earn money competing in the sport, even though she was number one in the world. But what we didn't tell you is that 10 years later, in 1968, tennis embraced a professional model, meaning suddenly there was prize money on the table. Competitors were now playing for cash. It was the start of a new era, the open era. Although Billie Jean King and other players could technically make money in the sport, the open era came with its own set of issues, issues like equal pay, women were not making nearly the same amount of money men were making, even though they were playing the same sport. Billie Jean King was vocal about this pay discrepancy, essentially from the start of the open era. Here she is in 1972, in her late 20s, telling a BBC reporter about the issue. All I knew is that I didn't feel tennis was right. We are a part of women's lib in that we have done something in that we've created an opportunity for women of all ages to at least try to make it. The BBC crew was interviewing Billie Jean because they were doing a profile on her and a group of nine female tennis professionals who took a big risk. Just two years before, 
they started their own tour. There was a chance that doing so could backfire. The USTA could cut ties with the women, but it was worth it to them because even though prize money was available, making money in tennis was still very hard to do as a female professional. Starting a new tennis league was a way for this group of women to make a living wage. The group became known as the Original Nine. But in order for the Original Nine to make money on their own, their tour would need a sponsor. You come a long way, baby, to get where you've got to today. Introducing new Virginia Slims, the slim cigarette for women only. Although a cigarette company may have seemed like an unlikely corporate sponsor for a group of elite athletes, the timing was right for both the original nine and Virginia Slims. The tennis tour needed funding. Virginia Slims needed positive publicity. So the Virginia Slims circuit was born. The Philip Morris Group manufactures Virginia Slims cigarettes, a product aimed at the liberated woman. The suppressed creature of former days, refused permission to smoke by a male chauvinist world, is transformed into a groovy chick, complete with dangling cigarette and the slogan, You've come a long way, baby. That motif is repeated constantly around the courts, wherever the women play. The risk the original nine took by starting their own league paid off. The Virginia Slims tour became a huge success. The cigarette company pumped more than $300,000 in prize money into the tour in its first year. And Billie Jean and the other women were suddenly making more money on the Virginia Slims tour than they could anywhere else in tennis. Women's tennis was proving it could generate lots of money. The league grew beyond the original nine. It even became international. But for the women of the Virginia Slims Tour, this was just the beginning. They wanted equal prize money from America's major tournament, the U.S. Open. To give you an idea of the pay discrepancy at this time, when Billie Jean King won the 1971 U.S. Open, she was paid $5,000, while the men's champion was paid $15,000, three times more. The U.S. Open was not interested in paying women equal prize money and a culture of deeply rooted sexism wasn't helping anything. To learn more about this fight for equal prize money, we called up journalist Johnette Howard. Johnette is an expert on the fight for equal pay in tennis, and she co-wrote All In, Billie Jean King's autobiography. She told us that in the 60s and 70s, some men in the sport were pretty open about not wanting women to be paid the same as them. It's sort of bracing now um, when you read the comments because they were uttered so openly, you know, and um, with no fear of, like, recrimination, (laughs) it seemed like. Stan Smith said these women should stay home. Um, They won't listen to anybody if they have their own careers. And and other players had said they weren't attractive and they... they, um, wouldn't want to date them, or they wouldn't want their daughter to be a, you know, a, a woman's tennis player. In fact, the women's movement and the Virginia Slims tour seeking pay equity was bothering enough male tennis players that one decided to make a whole exhibition out of it. 
Bobby Riggs was a retired tennis pro. He was a talented player in his day. He won Wimbledon and the U.S. Nationals, which became the U.S. Open. And he's even in the International Tennis Hall of Fame. But in addition to tennis, Bobby was almost just as famous for being a hustler and gambler. In 1973, Bobby Riggs was 55 years old, and he staged his biggest hustle to date when he challenged 29-year-old Billie Jean King to a highly publicized tennis match called The Battle of the Sexes. The idea was to see if one of the best female tennis players in the world could actually beat a man. It was also completely absurd. There were corporate sponsorships and gimmicks everywhere. Bobby Riggs rode out onto the court in a chariot, wearing a jacket supplied by Nabisco, which read Sugar Daddy, and he handed Billie Jean King a massive lollipop. I figured she's going to be a sucker for my lobs tonight, so I brought her the biggest sucker I could possibly find. In return, Billie Jean gave Bobby Riggs an actual baby pig, an ode to his self-proclaimed title of male chauvinist pig. I'm ready to play, and I'm going to uh, try to win for all the guys around the world who feel as I do that the male is king, the male is supreme. Many people, even Chris Everett, thought Billie Jean King could not beat Bobby Riggs, especially because Riggs had recently challenged and defeated Margaret Court. Court was the second best women's player in the world. But Billie Jean King was number one. And she said she felt incredible pressure to win. The feminist thing, uh, how important is that, Billy? The women's movement is important to me, uh, as long as it stays practical. And I think that the women's movement is really making a better life for more people other than just women. And I feel very strongly about it from that point of view. Billie Jean played a brilliant game of tennis that night. She exhausted Riggs and beat him in straight sets in a best-of-five set match. The Battle of the Sexes generated tons of money and attention. In addition to the thousands of people at the Astrodome that night, 90 million people viewed the match worldwide. This match made Billie Jean King a household name. But just two months before she beat Bobby Riggs in front of millions of people, behind closed doors, Billie Jean made something just as significant happen. She met with Billy Talbert, um, the chairman of the U.S. Open, at uh, Forest Hills, which was the site of the tournament at the time, one-on-one, and told him, if you guys don't leaven out the prize money, we're not coming next year. We're not showing up. Billie Jean King and other female tennis players, like Chris Everett, had gained such a significant following that their absence from the U.S. Open would have been embarrassing for the USTA. So just before the 1973 U.S. Open, the tournament, with the help of a grant from Ban Deodorant, agreed to pay the women the same as the men. This was a breakthrough moment for women's tennis. No other major tournament had offered women and men the same amount of prize money. But in the years and decades that followed equal pay at the U.S. Open, 
progress plateaued. The three other Grand Slam tournaments, the French Open, the Australian Open, and Wimbledon, would not agree to pay men and women the same for quite a while. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. If you're wondering why those tournaments refuse to pay men and women the same, here's the argument. Men play longer matches than women. Men play best-of-five set matches. Women play best-of-three. Tournament officials, male players, some media members, and even fans have argued that the men have to work longer and harder. Therefore, they should be paid more. But tennis makes its money from spectators, and spectators are looking for entertaining, quality matches. Longer matches are not necessarily better. And in the early 2000s, no American players were more entertaining than Venus and Serena Williams. And I think people just started to revisit it and think this was just unacceptable, especially when the Williams sisters came along and women's tennis was inarguably the best show. And so the confluence of those things and the Williams sisters' ascent um, sort of reanimated the argument. With Venus and Serena as American tennis's most marketable stars, women's tennis was proving to be a bigger draw than men's tennis. But the pay gap in tennis was still not fully closed. By 2005, the Australian Open was paying women equal prize money. And pay parity was in the works at the French Open, too. But Wimbledon, tennis's oldest and most prestigious tournament, was holding out. By this point, Billie Jean King had long retired from tennis, but she was still invested in the conversation about equal pay. To close the gap at Wimbledon, she knew she needed help. We had to get a current player that would be our the face of equal prize money. And Venus was definitely our first choice. We didn't even have to think about it, really. And she just took up the mail right away. That year at Wimbledon, Venus Williams attended an exclusive meeting, a meeting with Grand Slam officials. This was highly unusual because players do not attend this meeting. And Venus would be playing in the final the very next day. Instead of mentally preparing for the match, 25-year-old Venus Williams spoke to a room full of men about pay equity. She spoke uh, with the Wimbledon committee 
and had them close their eyes and pretend they were a nine-year-old little girl and really went through the feelings of what a female would think that we'd want equal prize money. Wouldn't you want that for your daughters? The speech didn't prove to be immediately effective. The men in the room didn't commit to any changes. They asked some questions, but nothing was decided. The next day, Venus took the court against Lindsay Davenport in the women's final. It was an unusually long match. It lasted almost three hours. When she won the match, Venus collapsed to her knees. After her opponent congratulated her, she jumped up and down several times as the crowd cheered her on. It was women's tennis at its very best. Tennis at its very best. Venus, congratulations. Have you stopped jumping yet? <laughs> I, I, I don't... I, I, I have to thank God, Jehovah. Thank you for for letting me be healthy. Thank you for letting my family be with me. My sister Lynn is here, my mom is here, my dad is here, Yovan, Carrie, Carlos, everybody. Thank you for, for staying here with me. Well said. Venus was the Wimbledon champion just four years earlier. The on-court correspondent asked her how it felt to be back. I just, you never know what life is going to throw at you. And each and every day, I just, I just expect the sun to come up. That's all these days. <laughs> Even after winning the most entertaining match that year at Wimbledon and the longest women's final in the tournament's history, Venus would not be receiving equal prize money. She was paid 600,000 English pounds, 30,000 pounds less than the men's winner. In the grand scheme of things, 30,000 pounds is not much at all to Wimbledon, but symbolically, it was a big deal. Wimbledon's refusal to not cover this small difference was an insult to the women players. This pay discrepancy didn't deter Venus, though. She hatched a new plan. The following year, the day before the start of Wimbledon in 2006, Venus wrote an essay that was published in the Times of London. Here's Janet Anderson, a longtime member of the UK Parliament, reading from Venus's essay. It, it is a shame that the greatest tournament in tennis, which should be a positive symbol for this sport, has been tarnished. And how can it be that Wimbledon that finds itself on the wrong side of history. So I intend to keep doing everything I can until Billie Jean King's original dream of equal prize money is made true. Anderson first read Venus's essay when it was originally published in 2006, and it really stuck with her. I've always loved tennis, but it was a long time before I realized that actually there was this unfairness, and I couldn't understand why the All England Tennis Club was so reluctant um, to do this over here. It did seem extremely unfair. 
Janet hadn't even been aware of the pay discrepancy at Wimbledon, but she was outraged by it after reading Venus's column. So it seemed to me obvious that we needed to put the pressure on to try and get them to change their mind, and that's why I decided to help with that. Pay equity was becoming a hot topic in the UK, in workplaces, homes, even in Parliament. A few weeks after Venus's essay was published, Prime Minister Tony Blair met with Parliament to take questions, which the Prime Minister does only a few times a year. And this is uh, 30 minutes when any member of Parliament can ask a question of the Prime Minister. And you can ask a question about absolutely anything. And the Prime Minister has to answer it. During Janet Anderson's nearly two decades in office, she had been selected to ask a question only twice. So she needed a way to make sure she could attract attention. She wore a bright red jacket. In a sea of black and gray coats, Janet caught the eye of the Speaker of the House of Commons, and he called on her. Janet Anderson. Um, Is my right honourable friend aware that 30 years on from the introduction of the Equal Pay Act by a Labour government, the winner of the women's singles at Wimbledon will receive £30,000 less in prize money than the winner of the men's singles, and that this is the only grand slam where this occurs? Will my right honourable friend support his right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport, in her efforts to persuade the Lawn Tennis Association to put this inequality right? He does not know uh, what the questions are going to be. Um, But the one thing about Tony Blair is if he agrees with you, he will tell you. If he doesn't agree with you, he will tell you as well. Well, I was somewhat coy on that yesterday, not having realised that my right honourable friend had already pronounced on it. So I'm very happy to be bolder today. Uh, welcome what she said and endorse it fully. <laughs> David Cameron. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I echo what... Oh, I was just the... absolutely cock-a-hoop. And, you know, the one thing about being a Member of Parliament, um, and I'm sure it's, it, it's very similar in the US is sometimes you can um, bash away at an issue uh, day after day after day and, and not get anywhere. So if you can use that in somewhere like the British Parliament to make a difference to an important issue, it's hugely rewarding to have been able to be part of that. At last, in 2007, Wimbledon announced that it would pay equal prize money to men and women. But I do think it was Venus who kind of brought it to the fore um, and really made everyone aware of it. And she really deserves the credit, uh, I think, for the fact that the change was in the end made. And I suppose what we were all trying to do was embarrass the All England Lawn Tennis Club to say, look, you know, your attitudes are really a bit Victorian. To pay women less than men is is just not on in today's world. (laughs) 
tell you, this is about as good a set as you're going to see. Didn't Venus Williams win Wimbledon like this yes. two years ago? <laughs> yeah. She's going to win it again if she keeps playing like this, yeah, I'll this. tell you. Venus returned to Wimbledon in 2007. This is the broadcast from her fourth-round match against Maria Sharapova. Since 2000, Venus had won the tournament three times. No! Venus Williams! Again flashing that champion smile that we've seen so often on this court. The place where she's had more success than anywhere. This is her eighth Wimbledon since she became a champion here, and still the only player that's beaten her on this court is her sister. I've watched her play a lot of times. After winning that match, Venus kept on winning until she advanced all the way to the final. This time, she would be playing not just for the title of Wimbledon champion, but also for equal prize money for the first time in the tournament's history. It had been 34 years since the first woman won equal prize money at a major tournament, thanks to Billie Jean King. And now, thanks to Venus Williams, for the very first time, the winner of the women's draw would receive equal prize money at Wimbledon, 700,000 pounds. On the day of the final, Billie Jean King was there, sitting in the royal box. She watched as Venus defeated her opponent in straight sets. And she looked up at me, actually, when she gave her speech and thanked me and the older players for what we'd done and started the, the fight for equal prize money. And she, she finished it. It was really a beautiful moment. What is it about this court that is so special? You seem to save your best tennis for center court here. Serena and I, we would always say how much we wanted to win Wimbledon, and we just felt it was so important. And of course, now that we have equal prize money. <laughs> I know. I see Billie Jean King up there. She fought for years. She, I love you. <laughs> I've played Fed Cup under her. No one loves tennis more than her. She's done so much for women's tennis. I wouldn't be here without her. And thank you to all England Cobalt. So we're playing under equal terms. Venus Williams took up this fight for equal pay at Wimbledon when she was 25 years old. And in two years' time, it was realized. Venus is now in her early 40s, and she's still an advocate for equal pay, beyond the tennis court. Unstoppable! Venus Williams is here tonight! There she is! In 2021, Venus guested on The Late Late Show with James Corden and talked about her efforts to close the gender economic gap through a program she started called Privilege Tax. It's really near and dear to me having experienced inequality and me having been a girl just wanting to grow up and win Wimbledon and then getting there and realizing, gosh, I'm not actually being paid equally. I'm considered less. Venus explained that her fight for equal pay at Wimbledon inspired women in other sports to fight for pay equity too. But the fight's not over. There's still inequality on all levels for women. Venus has settled into being a leader and an activist, 
she's more than just a tennis star. Just like her dad always said she would be. Next time on All American, how the Williams sisters changed the look of tennis fashion by rejecting traditional country club attire and pushing the fashion envelope. If you aren't wearing anything that you're confident in, you aren't going to play well. We don't, if I'm not wearing something, I, I never wear anything I don't like or don't look pretty good in. All American is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. This episode was written and reported by Albert Chen and Jordan Bell. Our mix engineer is Casey Holford, who also composed our original music. Our senior producer is Jordan Bell. Our story editor is Gianna Palmer. Our executive producer is Camille Stanley. Extra production support from Nora Ritchie, Gwenny Govea, and Manolo Morales. Fact-checking by Kelvin C. Bias. Legal support from Sidney Freeman and Thomas Burke at Davis Wright Tremaine. I'm your host, Cecil Harris. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.